Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's after four o'clock. Oof. One hits a little uh, different today. Cons, good choice. Good choice of uh, music on a chilly Thursday on Sports 1440. Live on uh, Orders Nation YouTube. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley. With you as always, the Greger Show is presented by uh, PlayAlberta.ca. Where, uh, hey, uh, Orders, favorite again. Why not? They've won uh, eight in a row. Looking for nine. If you, uh, if you feel the love, maybe nine. Go for it. PlayAlberta.ca. Stay within your limits. Uh, TR, everything good over there? Ready to roll? There was, there was the cat clawing to get out? Uh, no, my uh, <laughs> my daughter needed a ride to soccer. Oh. I forgot about that. And <laughs> uh, I can't drive, obviously. So oh, I went and phoned my parents, and they're doing the job. Okay. Well, there you go. I like it. Nice. Uh, she's obviously playing indoor soccer, I would assume. Yeah. She, oh. had, she had it right after school about half-hour drive at a big place called the Technoplex, and then she's oh. got it later tonight uh, up in Mount Pearl. She's got the provincial team earlier. Oh, Mount Pearl team now. There's they, they practice a lot. I played soccer. We were pretty good. We won the Atlantics one year. When September hit, we put on our cleats again in May. Yeah. This is These guys practice every, every day of the week if they want it, but five are mandatory. <clears throat> really? Wow. Yeah. And uh, what is she, striker, midfielder, defender? Striker more than anything okay. um, and pretty successful. She's Ooh. got a good instinct, but she plays a little bit of D and a little bit of midfield. But more than anything, she's the striker for the for the provincial team, one of the two strikers. So does, she's very she, dedicated for her age. Yeah. Does she have the Ryan tenacity that Pops had? Yeah. And I guess <laughs> it comes, I, I would say it comes from my dad more than anything. So. <laughs> Because growing up, like, I know it's there. It's, something's genetic yes. there, right? You yeah. have temperament about you. Mm-hmm. But um, I think growing up and watching my dad, and then he coached the junior team, which won the Atlantic Championship. Then he coached the senior team, which had littered with pros. It was a very unique situation here in the early 90s. Mario Roberge played here, and the next year he won the Stanley Cup. Like, it was, you know, it was really, there, there was four or five, like, pros on their way up in the Newfoundland Senior League in the early 90s. So it was... okay. You know, so you, you got it in you anyway, and you watch that. You're br- brought up around sports. So I, I think there's a combination, nature and nurture. Yeah, no, 100%. That uh, that makes uh, that makes total sense. Um, let's get to Ryan's rant brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, take action on your savings right now. Of course, uh, you look at, and hey, solar can really help you out uh, financially. No question. You uh, can get grants courtesy of the federal government. Uh, also, interest-free loans, whether you want to do it commercially or residential. If you're unsure how to do it, call the expert. It's Action Electrical, and uh, they can walk you through the process, help you save uh, the most money, and uh, get a great product, actionelectrical.net. Here is Ryan's rant with Terry Ryan. 
Well, thank you. Now, first of all, I have a few things to talk about, actually. And when I found out about Rob, and I figure I'll tell you a story. And and John, I don't want to disrespect him. I, but there's a personal connection there that I felt sorry when I heard about John, but I felt devastated when I heard about Robin, okay? As people can, I'm sure, identify with. So I, I wasn't kidding with you when I said growing up, it's been so long since I read my own book, but I believe in the first book, I explained to people that I had an affinity for writers just as much as players. A lot of it, I'm, I'm an only child. I grew up, I was into creative writing. My parents made me read or write each night for 20 minutes, a half hour. It could, it could have been Rolling Stone magazine. It usually was. Or like <laughs> the hockey news. It didn't yeah. mean you got to read read yeah. Edgar Allan Poe novels, you know. So so I, I enjoyed it and like it became a little bit of a companion. And I remember... Really, I mean, I was a huge Habs fan, right? Yeah. Um, when people ask me my who I wanted to be as a player, I would often say Rick Tockett or Cam Neely because that was like the top of the heap. But Chris Nyland was as much my favorite player as they were. I mean, yeah. and people forget he had 21 goals one year. Like it was when even when I got to the NHL, I felt that was realistic. I don't know. Can I be Cam Neely? I don't know, man. That's up here. But I know I can try to do what Chris Nyland did, you know, broke in like five goals and he had 20 or 21 twice. Um, uh, and, and really a, a team guy. Like he says, I'm his buddy now. And he talks about, he says, Terry, I was a defender. I was a defender. You know what he was? <laughs> okay. uh, meaning he wasn't, he didn't go out and goon it up. But he was there for his teammates. Um Sometimes a little excessively, like in warm up and stuff, but Chris is Chris. And I really like that. So I followed Red Fisher, and he was the writer for the Montreal Canadiens for the most part. What do you call it? A beat writer? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, and I, I, I really looked up. There was, there was a few up in Montreal that I knew before I even got to camp Herb Zerkowski, Pat Hickey, and Red Fisher, and, uh, Anyway, it'll come to me because I really, really, I, I love the Canadians. And again, without the social media, people forget how much reading was a part of our lives. Yeah. It had to be, right? Even, yeah. even if it was the hockey news, how did you get your stats? That's how I got mine in the back of the hockey news each week. And I read it like a Bible and the same thing. So eventually these writers, you feel a connection with, I, I, I often liken it to podcasts. Like, you know, if you listen to a podcast, you feel like you have a connection with the person that's speaking even though you might not have met them. That's the way I was with the writers. So honestly, if you had asked me when I was 10 years old, if I'd rather meet, I don't know, Guy Lafleur or Red Fisher, I would have had to think about it. I would have probably said Lafleur, but I would have had to think about it. So coming into Montreal, I was nervous to say the least. I would have been anywhere, but this is different. I yeah. remember talking to Damon Lankow, who'd been drafted to Tampa Bay, and he was, you know, we were in camp and I was going, wow, I'm, mine is not like that at all. Like he's going, yeah, there's no reporters here. We come out in our shorts. You know, we're doing this team building is like out back playing a bit of soccer today and there's nobody around. Yeah. He goes, I'm walking around downtown. No one has a clue who I am. And I'm going, wow, this is a little bit different. I go, when I got off the plane, there was reporters right there. I was asked what my weaknesses. I remember the first question, what do you think your weaknesses are? And I was like, wow, I just got off the plane. <laughs> What a thing to think about, right? Welcome to Montreal. And I swear to you, I know the stats might not seem like it, but I, I got hurt. Like, and I, I chose to, to to leave. It was stupid. It was stupid. But I 
I never had a bad like that didn't really weigh on me. I know I felt pressure sometimes, but I never complained about it. It never like more than anything. It's also cool to walk around a big city like Montreal and people go, "Hey, what's up, TR?" Yeah, I love that. I'm like, yeah, I'm Newfoundlanders up watching games and I'm mingling as one of the Canadians. Way the the pros way outweighed the cons. Okay, yeah, but there was a nervous element to it. And and the the wild thing was at first when I first got there, there was no like glass behind you. So like Ronald Corey, like like Maurice Richard, like they, the, the the alumni, they would sit right behind. And I remember Recky looking over at me, going, "Yeah, don't be nervous." I'm going, "Don't be nervous." Like Maurice Richard and Guy Lafleur are behind me. I can hear I can hear Guy eating his popcorn. <laughs> like, what what do you mean? Don't be nervous. I'm going out there with you and Pierre Turgeon. You know, like wow. So. But the boys were great, and I had Darren McCarty on my show yesterday, and we talked about Scott Thornton. He was unreal. I think he played – yeah, Scott played a little bit in Edmonton. He was real good with me. He'd gone third overall a few years before and really calmed me down in the room. And when I was 19, 96, 97, I made the team, and they told me, we're going to keep you here. You're probably not going to get in the lineup. We're going to send you back to junior at the trade deadline, wherever you want to go, so think about it. That's when I ended up going to the Red Deer Rebels. I literally chose and Tri-City – Draft or sent me there on Rajon Hull's urge um, a few days later, but that wasn't until February, so I was there all year. I ended up getting in four games, which was nice, but I was practicing with the team for good reason, too. I learned a lot. But So Red Fisher would come in, and I was kind of waiting, and I was going, oh, my God, oh, my God, Thority, that's that's Red Fisher. I, I, he goes, what are you doing? I, and I was like, I was like, I, he goes, I remember him saying, and Recky looked over, and he's like, man, he goes, I've never seen you speechless. And I couldn't, and I was like, God, I was trying to avoid him. And I said, screw it. And I went over. I was I was like a kid in a candy store, man. I said, Mr. Fisher. Yeah. And he didn't respond. I said, Mr. Fisher. And then I poked him on the back. You know, he'd done his interview. Interviews, like in the media, were already left, but he would always stay in a little bit. Bob Cole would come down after games and shoot the breeze in the room, you know, so some of the reporters kind of stayed around and they had that there was an unwritten rule. Like if Red wants to stay in, he can stay in as long as long as he wants. Yeah. But now he's in there and there's no reporters around his mic his recorders in. He's just shooting the breeze with the boys. Yeah. So I go over and I poke him, poke him. And then I turn him around and I go, Mr. Fisher, it's an honest, honestly, it's great to meet you. And I put out my hand and he didn't even look at me. <laughs> I went over. Oh, is that go, because it was, was he still standing by as he didn't talk to rookies? He didn't speak to rookies. Not only that, the three years, well, I was four a part of it before, but but three, like, up and down in Montreal and then in the minors, and he still never spoke to me. Hmm. I, I, it was this weird, I guess I was a rookie those three years, right, because I didn't get the games in. What a we- And I looked over, and I go, what? And Rex goes, no, he really doesn't speak to rookies, but he goes, I, I figured he'd acknowledge you. He goes, that's weird. And I went, what? And so then... Every day that I was in his company, I'd go over and wish him a have a great day, Mr. Fisher. And I know now that I'm kind of saying it without saying it, like McDavid did last night with the go. Oh yeah, Mr. Fisher, great to finally meet you. Hey, would you like a coffee, Mr. Fisher? I'm going to get a breakfast sandwich. You want one? Like I would. I bet you I spoke to him a hundred times that year without being spoken back to, yeah. and I loved it. And I was like, 
this guy's the biggest a-hole I've ever met. I couldn't believe it. The other guys were nice, even though I get it. They got to write about me, but you can be objective about it and you can shake my hand. I get it. I get it. I get it. All of it. I'm in the position to be criticized. You got to know that going in. That's one of the parts of the sport yeah. that not everybody likes, but it's got to happen no matter who you are. Right. Yeah. And the bigger spotlight is on you, the more you're going to get it, especially these days with Twitter. Anyway, so. This went on and on, and finally, and I, I wrote about it a little bit, and I remember years later, I'd hurt my ankle, and it was probably 2005 or six. Yeah. Ryan Klo, my good buddy from Newfoundland, had made the NHL. Against the odds, man. Chloe went away at like 18, Junior B, clawed a spot on to Ramuski, and just really improved. And a great person, great guy, couldn't have happened to anybody better. San Jose were playing there, and I took my buddies up. It was the first time I'd been back in Montreal, um, and I was coming to grips with what had happened with my career. A bunch of us went up, and uh, I was walking into the arena. Now, this should be water under the bridge. So I came out, and I, I was coming into the rink early, and I, like, through the security entrance where the players use, and I opened the door, and I held it open for him, and he still didn't acknowledge me. And I went right up behind him, and I breathed in his ear before he passed away, and I said, Mr. Fisher, you've been so ignorant and I looked up to you my whole life, and you can F off. Mm. And I walked away, and I've never felt more satisfied. And here's this legend in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, here's the thing. I still think he was a great writer, yeah. and I will never take that away. I got to be objective about it, too. And I really appreciate having his articles when I grew up, reading them, everything else. But I think he was a real a-hole, and I don't think that's the way people should be treated. Life is life, and hockey is hockey. And at some point... That connection has to not be blurry, but it has to be expanded. You have to be able to speak with people. I think we're even with coaches, right? Yeah. Think Mike Keenan versus John Cooper, right? There, there's things that you know the doors opening that way. But anyway, I never ever forgot that. And most reporters that I met, including Ken Reed, they didn't all have to be classics. Just I really look up to them, and I read a lot. Um, most have been great. But Red Fisher, my biggest hero, was an absolute jerk. And that's why when I meet someone like Robin, and it was refreshing. I mean, our reintroduction happened on your show, yep. right? I didn't – and I was – whoa, I didn't even realize he was coming on. And I was like, he's probably not even going to remember me. But boy, was I wrong. I know you saw, talked about the Twitter uh, messages. Yeah. That's how he would contact with me too. Yeah. I sent him my number, but he would always say, yeah, he wouldn't, he does. He goes, I don't text. <laughs> it was a <Yeah>. classic. <laughs> so I couldn't believe that I'm getting into this like back and forth kind of chummy relationship with Robin that made me as happy that as in relative terms, as red being a dick made me depressed. Yeah. So it, I, I figure you know, I had some stuff to talk about, but maybe you'd want to hear that story because not every reporter or person who covers the game is great away from it, but some are, and I think two of them have just passed on today. It's great stuff, uh, uh, Terry and Robin. You know what? Uh, they would appreciate that. And uh, uh, you know what? Rubes was a good guy uh, that way for sure, and, and he was really good at, at, at connecting. Uh, you know, once he kind of, um, you know, once he let his guard down, and, and I explained why earlier. I think Robin had a natural guard up. Uh, you know, his their father kind of abandoned their family when he was young, and and so when you you talk to psychologists about that, he's naturally going to be leery of people. But you know what? Once he trusted you and got in, man, like Brownlee was. I've got so many notes today from people that. 
have talked about how Robin just, you know what, uh, you know, and he could be, and Brown, just because he was gruff didn't mean that he didn't care, but, uh, he was never afraid to, uh, to give it. And, uh, Ian McIntyre sent me a note <laughs> that made me laugh out loud reading it because one of the classic Ruben terms was he always used to, he loved the term pencil neck. <laughs> Hey, that pencil neck, and he used to say it all. The, it's such a classic, like older '80s, '70s too. But it's a great line. And when Ian wrote that today, man, it put a smile on my face because oh, that little pencil neck. Or it's like when Twitter first came out, and Brownlee's like, "I'll never be on Twitter. Only twits are on Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a classic. And so, uh, you know what? Uh, thanks that, uh, Ruben appreciate that. When we come back, uh, Mark Spector will uh, join us. We'll talk a little hockey, but obviously he knew, uh, he worked with, uh, both John and, uh, Robin. We'll talk about that and more on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 429. Welcome back. Sports 1440. As well as, uh, Orders Nation, uh, YouTube. Uh, thanks everyone for listening as always, uh, watching the show. Uh, if you, uh, Download it later on the podcast. Uh, we always appreciate however you consume this, this show. So thanks very much uh, for your support on uh, what has obviously been a, a tougher day for us here with the uh, passing of our uh, our good friend and coworker uh, Robin Brownlee, and then also uh, a legend in sports radio in this town. Who uh, you know, without John, who knows if there'd be sports radio? He was uh, he was such an influence on, on so many people. Him and Robin, uh, uh, great men, and uh, we will miss them both. And uh, have uh, as much empathy and. Uh, condolences as I can offer, uh, you know, talking to Marta today and then talking to Anna Lynn, it's, uh, man, it's heartbreaking. So hug your kids tonight, hug your mom and dad, tell you that eh, maybe a little bit longer, uh, than you normally would. Trust me. They won't, they, uh, they might not like it at the time, but they will appreciate it. Let's get to the spec report now brought to you by next gen transportation, heavy all transport provider, 100% locally owned and operated proud supporter of local sports in the community, nextgentransportation.com. As uh, Mark Spector joins us from Detroit. And uh, Speck, I know uh, two guys that uh, you worked with uh, in both uh, Robin and John. So a uh, pretty somber day. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, I don't, you know, John, I joined the Eminent Journal, uh, but I knew John already because I was working at the Gateway, the U of A newspaper. And I think the thing that I'll always think about John and always remember, and I've told him, he made you feel like you were one of the, like you were a big media guy. I'm this kid at the gateway. I'm showing up at order games. I'm hanging around maybe, a, you know, the, the watching Don Horwood's basketball team play. And John would say he'd pick up that gateway and he'd read you and he'd tell you how good your stuff was, even when it was no bloody good at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he just made you, you know, he welcomed you into the group, man. You know how it is. We're a, we're a group of media people, and we're it's like your colleagues. Any anyone out there listening, we have your colleagues, and John made sure you felt like one. Uh, and I knew Robin the day he got to town. I was working in the Journal Sports Department. I remember the day he walked in there. Get this, remember those rat tails guys used to have? Yeah, <laughs> he had like this big long rat tail. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, comes, he comes rolling in, man. He's got this rat tail. He had enough swagger for like six or seven. Oh, guys, was right? he wearing the super tight jeans? Because I don't know if you've seen some of the yeah. like Bronte as a young guy was a really like good looking dude, and he was big. Like Robin Brownlee yeah. in his early twenties was a thick, huge man, right? Like had a big head, but big shoulders, oh. and he was where he was a huge fan of Kiss. Man, he used to walk around with those yeah. Ace Freely yeah. boots on. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> 
Yeah, he had the kiss boots for sure. And he had that rat tail. And like you think Jesse Pogliarvi was the bison king. If that's what you think, you haven't seen Rob Brownlee's head. And we could say this because Broom's joked about it too. Him and Yukon Jack, they used to joke about it all the time. Who had a bigger melon? And uh, I think think Rubes might have beat him. Yeah, Robin was a good man. It's just it's hard to process, guys. I'm I'm sitting out here in Detroit. I'm getting ready for a hockey game, and the news is coming in, and it's just you know I I can't listen. I can't add much to it other than we all have weird feelings today, man. It just feels not right. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, uh, John had you know he it was now he'd had leukemia. He'd been battling it, and um, the. Uh, he was, he had stopped. The treatments weren't working. Uh, when I talked to John before Christmas and he was at peace with it. So I want everybody to know that he was at peace with it. And, um, you know, I talked to Marta before and she's like, you know what? Everything's good now. He unfortunately got pneumonia here last week and that's what uh, kind of, uh, uh, derailed him. You know, this was obviously unexpected to, to go this soon, but John knew that, you know what? Uh, he was kind of on the, uh, he was in the back stretch as he told me when we, and I was so happy that him and I, uh, spoke for, for an hour. It's always great to talk to John, but it's, so it's, I know it's just a little bit nicer for me because I talked to him very recently here before he yes. passed. And, yes. you know, obviously had Rubes on the show on Monday and we, we talked quite frequently and, um, you know, his was very unexpected and, um, and really sad. And, you know, for this, for his young boys and Annalyn, that's a, that's a real tough one for me, yep. uh, for sure. But, uh, they'll both, uh, definitely be missed and, and they, they made an impact in the, uh, sports community. And Speck, I think, you know, you can relate to both of them. Like, you know, sh- uh, both of them, neither Shorty or Brownlee, when they were on the beat, man, they weren't scared to dig in on anything. No, 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 absolutely. You know, Brownlee was that guy that there's an old maxim amongst beat guys that says if every guy on the hockey team thinks you're awesome and a great guy then you're not doing your job very well because there should because there's not 23 guys in that room that are all playing great right (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you that for sure so they all shouldn't think the sports writer is the nicest guy and uh, brownlee wasn't afraid to uh what do they say he wasn't afraid to break a few eggs making an omelet in the eminent journal or eminent sun every day i can tell you that Uh, you know what And, and john was I came in at a time when Cam Cole was was you know, yeah. Cole in the Journal and Terry Jones in the Sun, and they beat each other up every day. And it was one of the best newspaper towns in the country, honestly, because there was good talent here with Maddie and Tubes and all the people. But Short was the perfect inside columnist, and by that I mean Cam covered all the huge stuff, and he was on Sports One every day. But you go to Sports Three, and John was was so had such a nice touch with going to the U of A and covering a football game or covering the, the rebel basketball tournament, right? Yeah. He did all that amateur stuff so well. And he walked into that. I remember being at the father Troy basketball tournament at St. Joe's high school, man. Yeah. So long ago I was doing that. And John walk in that gym. And I mean, the only guy that people like more in that gym was father Troy himself, because when John walked into an oh. amateur sporting event, oh God, like the seat, the seas parted for that guy. Cause everybody knew he was coming in to give him some coverage and, and just spread the goodwill, right. That so many guys like me, I was at that father Troy tournament so I could move on and cover the Oilers. John was there to write a really nice piece and come back again next year. Yeah. And he was beloved in the community. There's no quiet. And, and the great, we got, I got so many stories on the text line today from people saying, man, you know what? I was kind of a nobody, 16, 17 year old. And John would come and interview me and then write a story and it's in the paper. And you're just like, it was a thrill. 
Like it was a thrill for kids. And, you know, Terry talked about it earlier. Like it's a thrill at times. And I think it still is now. You know what? The difference is now it's not necessarily in the paper. It's just online, but it's still a, a thrill for that to happen. And, and sure thing was, Shorty covered the NHL with the same passion that he covered amateur sports. And I think that was the, uh, his lasting legacy without question. Um, uh, we'll get to some, yes. pro, some pro sports now, Speck. Uh, the orders. Well, it'd be hard to find guys who aren't playing well. Now, we could easily pick out the guy with the goose egg, and that's obvious. But, uh, you know, the orders coming to Detroit um, today it wasn't their best effort against Chicago. Not every game is going to be uh, outstanding. But, you know, the Detroit Red Wings have now won three in a row. And when they have Lyon, who's going tonight in goal, they're eight and four. Right. He's got pretty good numbers. So and this team can score. They got some pretty good depth. This uh, this should be an entertaining game tonight. There, there should be actually a fair amount of chances. Yeah, they're and they're going pretty good. They won four or five, and they got some confidence going here. There's a big log jam of teams out here in the East trying to be wild card teams. I think Detroit's one of those. They're they're looking for a, you know they're probably stack up as a wild card team, right? Uh, and they're right in, and they believe here. Like we were talking to some people this morning. I had a nice chat with Patrick Kane this morning. Uh, ran into um, Oli Mata. Had a little chat with him. And these guys, they they the playoffs are very realistic here. They're not here to just compete and continue some rebuild. They want to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know what? I'll just say this. The Oil didn't play that well their last time out in Chicago, and they snuck yeah. a win out. They better play a whole lot better tonight. They won't be sneaking any wins out of Little Caesars tonight with the game, the, the, the kind of game they laid down in Chicago. TR? Well, I got to ask both you, actually, Speck, since we only got you on for so long, what do you guys think about Corey Perry? If you talked about this earlier, I'm yeah. sorry. I think he'd be a good fit. For the Oilers, well, I mean, absolutely. for anybody really, but going into the playoffs, I think he was misplaced on a team that wasn't, and I think he could help. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, Corey Perry had one role in Chicago, and that was, uh, which I guess we'll have to say he ultimately failed at, uh, to help guide a young team here. He didn't do a great job with that. However, the Corey Perry, you know, I, I, I've said this before, Jay, you've heard it. I kind of look down on these things from 30,000 feet. Yeah. Corey Perry's... I look at Corey Perry as a career hockey player, not the obviously he had some tough times there. Uh, a veteran guy, he's still got some hands. He's awful slow now. I get it. We've watched him break a million hearts playing against the Oilers over the years. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Terry. That puts okay. you know, first of all, they're a little light on right wing as it stands. Yep. The Oilers stacking him on your fourth line right wing spot. And uh, taking that guy onto putting that guy onto a team that has playoff aspirations, absolutely fits your cap. He's not going to want much money, not going to need much money. Uh, I would say to you for sure, Corey Perry is. Uh, Ken Holland's made his phone calls on that. I guarantee you. I got one more question, guys. And if I'm ignorant to this, because to me it's blatantly obvious. And I haven't heard anybody talk about it, so there's probably a major reason, and I'm going to have egg on my face here. But everybody in the league seems to need a right-handed defenseman like everybody in the league seems to need a goalie, okay? Yeah. At least, let's say, many, many teams. I don't know. Like, what's Seth Jones is overpaid, I know, but he's Ooh. Norris Trophy candidate more than once. He's on a team that really doesn't need him. Now, I get it. I get the contract, but he's still not, he's not 40 years old. It's in there somewhere, and if he was with a contender, maybe he'd do something. Why don't I ever hear his name brought up in trades? I know he's hurt, but he's coming back soon. You want to take this one, Jay? Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, Spec. Honestly, 
the Chicago, they retain two or three million bucks. It's an easy trade. And I think there'd be a long list. And I, I, I'm going to guarantee you guys, Seth Jones is going to be asking for a trade here. You got to remember, like he signed that contract when thinking, Hey, you know what? We're going to be competitive. And literally within a year, they went full scorched earth. And they changed their whole plan, which obviously wasn't the plan when he was there. Um, he's, he, you know, he's struggled, but he's also being unhealthy. I think they're going to have to eat some salary, not a lot, right? Like if Seth Jones is a six, seven million dollar defenseman, people aren't freaking out at all. So I think it's a, it's a very good point, Terry. It's, it's probably one that's a trade that's more in the off season because of, of that much cap space. But yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to be twofold. I think the organization is going to look and say, Hey man, like, you know what? We're not going any- now. Maybe Bedard's like, Hey, wait a sec. You can't just trade everybody. Right. Like, so that's their balancing act there. Right. But, um, you know, if they could get some young pieces that, you know, at least one decent veteran player back, I think for sure they would look at that trade. Okay. So here's why it may, to me, the hardest part is Chicago's part. I get what both you guys are saying. Everyone likes the player. Everyone would agree at 9.5 million AAV, he's making too much money. That's just, you yeah. know, let's face it, he's making too much money. The problem is this. If I'm Chicago, yeah, I'll take three, I'll eat three million bucks for a couple of years, right? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. He's got six seasons left, right? Trying to get a team to eat 18 million, three million off their cap, not for one or two years. But for six years, that's someone's probably done the study and gone through all the trades. Has anyone retained Jay for six years a contract? That's a long time. Yeah, um, but teams have bought out guys where they paid for you know for six eight years, right? Um, but sm- that's different. That's smaller. Different. Well, but is it though? It's dead cap space. What are you going to have to pay me to eat three or four million bucks for six years? Like how yeah. much am I? Well, Steph I don't Jones think I don't think cost. it'll be four, right? Like I think they might have to eat two, right? Like because if Seth Jones is a seven million dollar guy, like even seven and a half, I don't think is that crazy, is it? No, no, but yeah. but I guess I guess also you said it first, Jason, and you're right. It, if any time you're trading a seven million dollar asset, that just doesn't happen at the trade deadline, right? There's just too many moving parts to make that happen. If I'm the Oilers, I got to give you back about five or six million bucks. I want those players. That's why I'm trading for Seth Jones. I'm trying to win. I can't give you two, three guys off my roster. So I like the concept, and it might happen one day. But I'm here to tell you, if it happens, it's going to be in July, not March. Yeah. No, I would. Uh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Spec. Um, a- any reason why, uh, or is it? Why, like, is Sam Gagne not ready to play? How, how come? I'm a little surprised maybe he didn't get back in tonight. I think it's time to get him back in. You know, it's yeah. kind of. AJ, uh, here's Chris Knobloch. He's, could you ask him to do a better job, right? No, could yeah. ask him to do a better job. He's no. come in here. This has been the best team in the league since November 24th. His record's unbelievable. Like, Chris Knobloch is getting straight A's here. And yeah. what's he got? He's got some media guys, including me and Jim Matheson, saying, hey, how come you never play San Gagne? And you know what else he's got? He's got Evander Kane on his third line playing with Connor Brown, who's been pretty much a black hole, and Derek Ryan, who, bless his heart, he's not a third-line center. He's a fourth-line center. And he's going to have to deal with that Evander Kane issue a little bit. He, he can't waste the player is my point. They're yeah. wasting Evander Kane right now. So as well as it's going for Chris Knobloch, a coach's problems never end. He's still got two problems he's got to figure out here. 
Yeah, like I, Kane to me is kind of an easy one. I, I you know I could see why, and even if Evander doesn't like it, he says, "Hey, Evander, well, guess what? Once the winning streak's over, we can uh, you know we could probably move you back up." But our team's won eight in a row. Just because, and, and you shouldn't be pouting because we're winning. At the end of the day, it's about winning. And guess what? You'll get lots of time in the top six. I think that's an easier conversation. The Gagne one, I'm like, Gagne was playing well, spec. He got a stick in the face got knocked out and it's the old adage like you know you don't lose your spot doing an injury and now he can't get back in and I'm it's not the end of the world I was all I'm saying is I was a little more surprised not so much a criticism it's just more of a surprise that we haven't seen him back in the lineup yet that's all I no I agree I agree and you know that's these are the issues of coaching a hockey team it's you can't you know there's always there's always a problem there's always something why do you think all the coaches have gray hair man there's always some guy like terry ryan who's a pain in your rear end even when things are going good <laughs> yeah oh, well said. <laughs> you need those guys well spec enjoy the game tonight uh we will uh chat with you uh tomorrow on a, on a somber day and uh maybe when you're uh, when your yeah. article is done tonight uh think of john and and robin and uh, and toast them I will indeed. I will indeed. Thanks, everybody. That's uh, Mark Spector. The uh, Spec Report brought to you by nextgentransportation.com. Uh, we'll return. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan on The Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We have uh, five questions with Connor Halley up next. We continue on. Coming up uh, after uh, 5 o'clock, we'll have uh, more tributes. Uh, John Short, uh, Robin Brownlee, a good friend of John, uh, John Belmont, a longtime coach. Uh, for football in the community. Uh, him and John for the last, geez, I want to say 13, 15 years, had a group of friends. Every Friday morning, they get together for coffee and uh, <laughs> some good conversations. So uh, we'll uh, hear from uh, John to uh, discuss John's uh, great life. As, uh, I'm a big believer in celebrating the, the lives of two great men and John Short and Robin Brown, and we'll be doing that uh, over the next few days here on the show. Uh, Robin, of course, big part of our show for many years. So. Uh, let's get to uh, five questions brought to you by The Brick. And uh, uh, Ken from The Brick just wanted to pass along, said, uh, Hey, Greg, I, I grew up uh, and a big fan of listening to uh, John and, of course, uh, Robin. Uh, everyone at The Brick uh, knows how much John meant uh, to the community and Robin. And uh, we just want to give out our, our condolences. That's from everybody at The Brick. So uh, thanks for that note. We uh, very much appreciate it. It's time for five questions. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one today. Uh, did you think there could have been a need to tweak the lineup just a little bit? We're talking Sam Gagne here, of course. And also, can we get a score prediction for tonight's game? Uh, let's see. Um, I I think in the regular season, I'd roll with it. And um, it, 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 this, to me, depends on the circumstance. In this circumstance, no rush. I'd roll with it. If it was the playoffs, I'd probably put him in. Although I do see the other point of view. What's the score going to be? I'm going to call. It's going to be high scoring, I think. 5-3 um, Oilers, empty net. Oh, I like that one. I, I don't think they needed a tweak. I just thought, you know, Gagne, I thought, has been playing quite well before the injury, and, and it wasn't like he got taken on the lineup for bad play. So I, I thought he could go back in, and uh, and when he does, you know, hopefully he plays well. I don't think it was a must to do. And 5-3, ooh, I like that one. Um so they're going to tie the re- well. See, to me, I love records to be broken. So they got to win tonight if they're going to break the record. So I will say the uh, Oilers are victorious. They don't give up a lot of goals. So I'll say four two. 
All right, question number two. When you look at the Pacific Division, at the end of this season, how do you think it's going to look, one through three? Uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas. I have the exact same. Beautiful. Efficient. We'll move on. Question number three. Since the Oilers are in Detroit, taking on the historic Red Wings, who would be your top three Detroit Red Wings of all time? T.R.? Now, if you're going to ask me my favorites, like yes. top three, I'd have to put Gordie Howe there. And I don't want to – let me talk about that next time, okay? I think that there's a lot to unpack there. And, no, he's not one of my favorites. Uh, I, I don't not like Gordie Howe, but I love Eiserman. He's okay. one of my favorite players ever on and off the ice. I just had Darren McCarty on, and I'm not just saying it because I had him on my pod, but what I, I loved watching him and his passion. He's got four cups with the team, and I just think he's – He's underrated in that I still, when I was doing my research for the pod, it's like Enforcer, and I'm like, man, Enforcer, look at that move he made on that goal. Like in the playoffs there, the game four solidified their first cup in a a while. Um, So I just love the way he played. And it's it's hard for me to sit here and talk about the Red Wings without saying Bob Probert. So I got a couple of guys who like to mix it up there, but you're asking me my favorites. Now, obviously, if it was analytic, I would go with Lidstrom or – Norm Ullman, I think, was way underrated. And I often like to say that. Look up Terry Sawchuk and Norm Ullman, for those of you that don't really know the history of hockey. Norm Ullman was one of the best two-way players of his generation and, by extension, ever. And I'm fascinated by that guy. But I can't put him ahead of McCarty, Probert, or Eisenman. All right. Uh... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Steve Eisenman for sure. Now, um, you know, Gordy Howe, I had the pleasure of meeting a few times. An absolute legend of a human being. But um, for as far as players go, I, ne- I never really saw him play. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Eisenman, uh Nick Lidstrom, and Bob Probert. Like, Bob Probert was such an intimidating player and skilled. Like, like goals, man. Oh, dude, kidding, kidding me. Well, I, I love the fact that he was, he had 398 pims and he, I think it was 29 goals. And, and they joked about, man, if I would have scored the 30th goal, he told Stratty that he just would have walked over and punched the guy so he would get the penalty minutes to go with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It is classic. Uh, question number four for you guys with Bill Belichick out in New England. Where, if anywhere, would you like to see him coach next? Oh man. Um like I wonder if does he take time off? Right? Like does this guy need a recharge? I don't know. But uh that's what I'm wondering because like I, I saw some articles today online and they were breaking down like what New England was before Belichick and what happened in them. Like you're never I don't know if you'll ever see that again. Like it was phenomenal 
what happened in New England and the transformation. It wasn't, it's not just one person. It wasn't just Brady. It wasn't just Belichick. It was the combination of the two. And then they had a lot of really good defensive players and obviously some key offensive guys at times. Um, I guess if he's going to get back into it right away, um, like, could he help the Chargers? Maybe. They, to me, I think they, they need, they need a little bit more discipline. And structure in that organization. And, if, you know, reading the comments from players today, that's the one thing he brought, right? Like, and, and the great one, not every player likes a coach because guess what? A coach, he's going to have his opinion on you and it doesn't mean you're not, a, but you might not be the player for him. And, and, and the one thing Belichick did better than a lot of other organizations, he removed the emotion from his decisions. He would get rid of veterans rather than resign him and then regret resigning them because their best dates are behind them. Right. And you see that in hockey, like how many guys, oh, we love this guy for our organization. After they've won, they lock him up for seven years and he's a shadow of the player he was. But he's getting paid like the guy that he used to be. Belichick didn't do that. And that was the one strength that I think kept the Patriots going for a long, long time. They rarely had a lot of terrible deadweight contracts on their team. If I'm him, I don't go handy to it. What are you doing? He's over 70. Sail off, man. Enjoy your life. How long? What are you going to sign a five-year deal with someone and be almost 80? I, I, I just can't see it from my point of view, but I guess that's not the question you're asking. Where would I like to see him? I was going to say the Chargers. Um, who would be my – maybe Arizona? Uh, maybe uh, – I don't know. I think he'd be great – to help out somebody in an advisor role or a college team or I know people are going to laugh when I say it some panel people say he got no personality I think it's the opposite I think he's so dry that he would be great like I would definitely tune in to see him uh, hopefully he goes that route who knows 26 away from uh, Don Shula for the all time win so I oh. wonder if that's enticing for yeah, him yeah there you go but well boom we'll see a final question for you guys today at TR don't know what the weather's like out in your neck of the woods, but it's starting to get very cold here in Edmonton and Alberta. So I want to ask you guys, uh, at what temperature is it too cold? Like where you're saying, I'm not going out to the ODR, I'm not going sledding, not doing anything. When is it too cold? You know, I adapt because we people think that, look where St. John's is. It's not where people think. People think, oh, you're way up in the top of, you know, can't way north like Yukon. Not at all. I, I believe we're much more south than Edmonton. But what happens over here, we don't have great winters. Like we had a snowstorm the other day. It was a snow day. Like, I don't know, 30 centimeters is gone now, right? Like today yeah. it was five degrees. Wow. So for me, I, I'm i going out now to get Penny Lane. It's still two degrees out, right? Like it's raining right now. So it's a different, you get you adjust. For me around here, I can't stand it to be minus five or lower. Again, the whole winter will go by. It'll never be minus 20 outside of wind chill. But out there, it's different. It's a different kind of cold. It's not as windy. It's not coming off the ocean. And uh, But I, I remember being out west, and I could breathe in, and my, my nose hairs would freeze. I'm like, wow, I never experienced that until I got out there. So if I'm in your neck of the woods, I don't, I don't like the cold anyway. I don't understand why our ancestors did all of this before electricity. Imagine inside <laughs> Eclipse here in Newfoundland before electricity. Uh. We could have just... I could go five minutes from my house, get in a boat, and float. And in a week, I'm in North Carolina. I don't know why people did it, but they did. So the fact that we're here, I'm out west. I'm the, I'm, I'm going to go with minus 12. <laughs> minus 12. Um, 
When is too cold, too cold? I, I think, honestly, minus 25 is normally the cutoff for me. I worked outside in the oil field for, for many years. And you know what? Once oh. you got working, you could do it. And like Fort Liard, it's uh, Northwest Territories, was minus 52. It was the worst four days of my life as far as working. And I remember, you know, it kind of had a rule with the guys, like, because you still had to do your work, man. It was it was ridiculous. Like, the buffers are freezing up. I'm like, what the hell are we doing out here? But... That's uh, that's kind of how life was in the uh, in the early nineties in the old field. And I don't know if it's that way today. Probably, maybe it is. But uh, there's probably a little bit more safety uh, features in place now. But yeah, I, I'll never forget it. Minus fifty two. So and that was gross. But I'll say new, normally minus twenty five for me. That's like ah, okay, like minus twenty. Once you get out there, like it sucks. But once you're out there for twenty minutes, I'm like all right. Like I've I've done work for hours in minus twenty, and I don't feel like it's that big of a deal. Minus twenty five is my number. Cons. Minus 20 was where I was going. I'm a little okay. bit softer. I think the most work I've done outside in cold temperatures was unloading Christmas trees at the Savon, the grocery store days. Didn't love it. So probably about mi- minus 20. Once the fingers start getting a little chilly, that's that's going to do it for me. Unless we're assisted with those hand warmers. Then I can probably battle it. Hey, uh, TR, uh, Crouch was wondering if uh, Jigs's dinner would help uh, you warm up. I'm not sure. Is that an inside joke? What's Jigs's dinner? Eggs dinner is uh, it's our take on like Sunday dinner. Oh, okay. Toss in a bit of bit of salt meat. Oh, okay. A lot of the same ingredients, some turnip and uh, jigs dinner. I have every Sunday, so it's it's a Newfoundland dish uh, that's I guess goes back. Yeah, my my I remember my great grandmother making it. So there you go. It goes back that far. All right. Well, Tr, thanks so much for joining us today, my man. As always, we appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. And uh, we'll chat with you on Monday. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Edmonton, and see you guys in a few days. That is uh, Terry Ryan, our Monday and Thursday co-host here on Sports 1440. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley. Sports 1440 update brought to you by Booster Juice. Uh, if you don't have it, the brand new Booster Juice app is up and you can get all sorts of great rewards. Start saving now on the smoothies. Oh, they're so good, man. Uh, my fave, the strawberry banana. Very simple. You can add a little protein bite to it, but it is deep. Delicious. Get it right now at Booster Juice.